Hello, and welcome to Revenue Marketing Television. I'm your host, Jeff Pedowitz, President and CEO of Pedowitz Group. Today, I have my good friend and Chief Marketing Officer of Hughes, Brian Carden. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, Jeff. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. No problem. So, you've been in this game a, a long time. What what do you, what is some of the biggest changes you're seeing over the last couple of years in marketing? Um, a couple of things are changing. Uh, I think people's comfort with uh, data is changing. So, you know, ten years ago, it was very much about creativity and running campaigns, and now it's all about measurement and optimizing. I think timeframes are a lot shorter in marketing. So I think it was the end of the quarter. We'd look at all of our data. I'm seeing more real-time analysis of campaign optimization, of uh, you know SEM optimization. People are always changing uh, messages, uh, calls to action. I'm seeing a lot more A/B testing going on with websites, uh, and I'm also seeing uh, no absolutes. Like for a while, it was all only inbound or only outbound or only account-based. I'm seeing marketers are getting much more fluent in the full vocabulary, you know, of marketing and not just doing a few things. So um, I was talking to Mike Volpe the other day. We were just talking about him. You know, he went from HubSpot. It was all inbound and uh, high velocity marketing. Yeah. And marketing produced about 80 or 90 percent of the leads. And now he's at a company, Cyber Reason, where he's doing account based things. So there's no high velocity. It's high touch. So he's he's mailing things out like $80 things to get appointments. And so he's That's understanding change, that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly right. So it's a very different language for him now. And I'm starting to see this more and more with marketers understanding that we have a very rich palette of tools. And you don't always bring your, your toolkit, you know, with four tools to a job where you need 100 tools or different tools. So people bring a playbook. And sometimes the playbook is applicable to their particular case. You've got to be much more flexible. Do you think it's harder to be a marketer today than it was three to five years ago? Yeah, I do. I think that uh, people have very high expectations now of marketing, and uh, it's gone up quite a bit. Um, so yeah, the expectations are high. When I joined the company I'm at right now, we had no marketing stack. We had three people in the marketing team, and I had a very large sales team that was very impatient. And so it took me a good you know six eight months to build it all out, get it all working together. You know, you do this every day, and it's not something you can snap your fingers and it works particularly if you want to collaborate with the sales team and talk about what tools and, and what business rules you're going to use and what's an MQL and what's an SAL and uh, let's agree on uh, the service levels. Uh, so there's a lot of work that has to happen. Uh, so I think people are very impatient of getting results very quickly. And um, sometimes I tell my team, you have to go slow to go fast. So building a strong foundation, going slowly and doing it right allows you to scale but some people, and you probably see this every day, they build a foundation very quickly, and it's not well configured, and like the house hard, collapses. Right? Yeah, yes. So you talked a little bit about what your team's doing now, and um, the skills. How how are you? What are you looking for? I guess in people that you're hiring into your organization today, and how are you starting to structure your teams maybe a little bit differently to take advantage of this new mindset? So. Um, you know, marketing increasingly is becoming a, an area of specialization, a lot of specialists. And so um, it can be very challenging uh, to think about people's career progression. So what I look for in a marketing team is, number one, people who have technical skills, 
but also very good collaborators. It's definitely a team sport here. Um, in the past, I've had some uh, people in marketing who are extremely strong individual contributors, but they really create a lot of friction in the marketing team. So I really want people who can work very, very well together, who express gratitude, help, they get out of their swim lanes and help everybody get stuff done. So I care a lot about that. Um, what I'm finding is, is that I have to create an environment where uh, people learn a lot about marketing here. And so I'm starting to give people opportunities to go to conferences, you know, so you go to serious decisions or you can go to this meeting or meet other people. Um, people want to be certified in Eloqua or Marketo or something. Uh, people want the opportunity to go to other regions. So I have a, a team in Europe and a couple of those people uh, want to spend some time in the U.S. So I'm doing a rotation program. So I, I found that I have to do lots of those kinds of things to create an environment where people are continuously learning, they're developing their skills, and they view this as really a great place to, to stay and build their careers. So are, are you um, increasing your budget allocation towards education? Yes, quite a bit. So everyone, so I have a pool of money for uh, education, and I leave it up to each person on the team to come up with their own plan about what they want to do. And some people overspend, some people underspend, but I'm looking for people who are aggressive and always want to learn. You know, you and I sort of shared this idea that, you know, when we started our marketing careers, there were none of these technologies here. And so to stay fresh and current, we had to learn new things every day. And I think that's true of all marketers. And so there are new tools all the time and there's new ways of thinking and new ways of measuring. And so keeping everyone's skills current uh, is a big deal. So I have a lot more money allocated towards education and training. That's great. Yeah. Um, so what about some of the processes? Are they changing too? Because uh, you mentioned, you know, we talked a little bit about iColpi and, you know, obviously that's a different process if you're doing account-based marketing versus top of the funnel demand generation. But what are some of the other processes that you find you're focusing more time on today? So one is uh, we've created a demand center. And so we want to have sort of the center of excellence. And so whether it's in Europe or Asia Pacific, we have one team that builds the campaigns, that does the landing pages, the calls to action, and handles all that. So I want my people doing the field to be much more strategic and working with the sales team and not be worried about execution. So I've tried to centralize things to allow us to scale better. And that's sort of one process that I put in here. I think in other companies, I've had a more decentralized approach. Uh, we're in a fairly regulated industry, and I want to make sure that uh, we have a lot of control over our brand, our copyrights, our messages, and what's working, what isn't, a lot of the measurement. Um, so that's sort of one area for process. Um, and then the other area that we're doing a lot more is, is exactly what we're doing today, Jeff. And so my team is traveling less, and we're using tools like Skype. We actually have our own tool at Fuse that is video messaging and collaboration. And so we do a lot more of this. And so the team gets together thank you, all Thank the you time. for letting me use Skype today. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, yeah, Microsoft Skype is one of our uh, our biggest competitors, actually. Uh, and it's mostly a free product, and so we charge at the enterprise level. But we love competing against Microsoft. It's kind of fun. But um, so we do a lot more of this. Uh, and so we're trying to reduce sort of the travel, but we want people to spend a lot of time together. And we find that the, these kinds of tools work really, really well. So those are two examples of process. Less physical travel, much more digital communication through video in particular. Uh, and sometimes video is on all day you know, with team members, you know, uh, people use Google Hangouts or other things, mm -hmm. so you can collaborate continuously during the day. It's very easy to use. 
And then uh, this idea of a demand center, having things that scale more, and then buying our media centrally for the world and running our campaign centrally for the world. So um, what's, I mean, I guess one big conversation today is what's your stack look like, right? So in your demand center, what's uh, what's in your MarTech stack? <laughs> so. so we have about, you know, 30 technologies. Uh, I, I'd say the area that's a little bit different than others is we have a very robust sales enablement stack. So we're using uh, Savo for sales mm-hmm. enablement. We have we just brought this product on called Crayon that's in the early stages, does competitive intelligence. Um, you know, my product marketing team has to stay on top of all these competitors like Microsoft, Cisco, Avaya, 8x8, Ring Central, and there are just too many competitors. And I found that the Google and Moz alerts were not uh, accurate enough. They were just too crude. They were coming in too late. Mm-hmm. So we have a whole bunch of new tools um, around sales enablement, which is very important. And then we have a lot of data tools. So, you know, a hot area is this whole idea of predictive analytics. So we're using several different predictive analytics tools and data tools. One of the biggest challenges we have is uh, getting accurate data, particularly in different regions of the world. So a good example is employee counts. To route leads properly, I have to know how many employees there are at a company because our insight team handles companies with less than 350 employees. And then our field team handles 350 or more. And so we looked at the Dun & Bradstreet data and it was very inaccurate. Um, and then we started uh, crawling through LinkedIn and uh, that was much more accurate, except for certain industries. You know, you and I think that LinkedIn's very accurate because we're in these kinds of industries, but for like healthcare, nurses are not on there. Yeah. You know, airlines, pilots and, and flight attendants aren't on there. Uh, manufacturing, people who are blue collar labor unions aren't on there. And so LinkedIn, despite a lot of bias, you understand this, uh, can be very inaccurate with employee counts in certain industries. So we found the data thing to be very, very challenging. There's lots of promise from the data providers, and that we find that it's just a lot of hard work to find just the right vendors. Um, yeah, we, we've had to use a multitude of tools. I mean, I think at best you get 50, 60% accuracy if you went across every industry. Um, but right. I, you know, I agree with you. I think we've seen some of those same challenges, but it, it's, it's a... It, the problem gets bigger all the time. I mean, this whole data thing is 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 something that everyone, I think, is trying to get their hands on top of. Um, one of the one of the attributes that we find is very predictive for our business is uh, people who sign leases to move. So when you sign a lease to move, chances are you want to change out your PBX and your communication system. So uh, we've actually found some vendors who have very good information on moving. And uh, you know, before you move, you contact the moving company months ahead. There's a corporate move. And then there's some uh, local things that you have to file. Uh, you have to notify like Comcast, Verizon, a few of your telco providers way ahead. So some of those people actually do provide information on office moves. So we're finding it's very specific about getting the data. So it's and kind of like, a, it's like a business walking wagon, basically.